Um, well, I get the pleasure of introducing our speaker. Monica Brenton is from Memphis, Tennessee, and um, I've just had the joy of knowing her for many years now. And she is a godly woman and a wonderful speaker, and um, so blessed that she's here to share with us today. And I know that you guys are really, really going to be blessed and impacted by the message as well. Not sure what else to say. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, let me pray over you, actually. <laughs> Real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Can you come up here real quick? Father, we just thank you for this time today. And we thank you for um, Monica and the words that you've given her to share, Father. And I just pray that our hearts are soft and pliable, Father, to what you want to plant and what you want to sow in us. And, um, I just pray that Monica would be so obedient right now um, to what she's supposed to share and that you'd put exactly in her um, mouth what needs to be shared, God. And um, just pray anointing over her and blessing over this day. And I thank you for this time, Father, that you're going to use. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, well, we go any further. So, um, thank you, Heather and Trevor, for leading us into God's presence and giving us a chance to exalt Him uh, through singing and through the words of our mouth and the expression of our heart. So, thank you for being a part of that. And I just, I just want to encourage us to, to move in close to the Word as we study it. And as we move in close to the Word as we study it, we're by default going to move in close together because that's what the body does. The body loves each other. And I just want to tell you, I know some of your faces, and I'm getting kind of endeared towards those faces and don't want to leave them till tomorrow morning. Um, but I just want to encourage you that we are the body of Christ. So if I don't know your face, I'm your sister, and we are spiritually attached and emotionally attached. Now, spiritually attached matters more, but I'm such an emotional person that I just want to tell you I'm emotionally attached to you. So I hope you don't mind. <laughs> we are the body, and so we get to study the Word together. Even if we haven't gotten to have a good conversation yet, I just want to tell you I love you because you are flesh of my flesh with me in Christ, and that matters greatly to us, doesn't it? We need each other. We need each other greatly. And so the thing I just want to get out, on the, out, out of the way and just set before you is that I just, need to know you, I just need you to know where I'm coming from because I feel like I just need to lay it out. I am completely a mess. <laughs> I can't tell you how much, um, and I know this, this is really the story of every one of us in Christ, how much I need God to do this. <laughs> I am weak and frail. I have an autoimmune disease that makes me this size. And <laughs> I've been telling my husband, I'm like, I just feel so small. <laughs> and that's a good thing. I feel my smallness lately. Um, 
as I battle this disease, and I feel it, I, and I put it in Christ. It's just one more thing I can say, oh, I feel how small and insignificant I am apart from you, God, and how much, if anything's going to be accomplished through this little life, it's got to be you, God. It's got to be you. And so I just, I just know that that's all of our stories as we are in Christ. All of our stories is, I'm incredibly weak and frail. Like we studied last night, I wasn't dead in sin like I was, you know, on a raft on the ocean and I was waiting for a rescue boat. I was at the bottom, right? Yeah, that's my story. That is our story before Christ. I was at the bottom of the ocean, right? There was no breath, no life left in me. And so that's all of our story before Christ. So you don't need what I'm saying right now. I need to just put it out there and say, man, this has got to be God. This has got to be God today. And don't we want it to? You want it to. I know you're here because you want a God. So that gives me great relief <laughs> because I'm, I'm not able to apart from God. And I'm so excited about him, him speaking to all of us, his word. It is refreshment, it is living water, it is sustenance, it is life to us. We will not make it another step unless he puts life in us and continues to put life in us daily, right? Through his word and communion in him, we won't make it further. So that just needs to be on the table just because we're sisters. And I never had biological sisters, and I have two sister-in-laws, which are my sisters now. And that's something I'm really enjoying this side of life is I can just say it. I don't have to be something I'm not. Do you know what I'm saying? I can just say it. My younger sister-in-law is, is not necessarily someone I necessarily think is ready to hear my stuff. But I just kind of recently decided I can't hold it together. I'm just going to let you know anyway. So that's been really cool. I've just been kind of putting it on the table anyway. So that's what I'm doing with you guys. I hope that you're cool with it. I hope you're okay with it. Okay, so... Um, all that to say, let's go to the Father and study Psalm 46 together. Let's get in his word. Let's dig it up and allow the Holy Spirit to sift through. And I don't know how to set it on the stand. Okay. Am I on and everything? You know if it has wires, I can't do it. Y'all are just going to have to tell me what to do. And my ears, y'all, I'm not kidding about being small. I came by it genetically, too. My ears are so tiny that they won't hold things like this. So I am weak and small, and God is huge, humongous. He's bigger than we think he is. That's something that blesses my heart is he doesn't, we don't arrive at understanding him. He just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I need him to be that big, right? So he's going to get bigger as we study this Psalm 46. So let's look at Psalm 46. Um, just to let you know, we've got an outline for those that learn well that way. And for those that are a little OCD like myself, don't you worry. The answers are at the very bottom of the outline. So if you miss a blank, you're set. You can fill it in, no need to panic, because that, that would be me. 
I would be looking at the neighbors and be like, somebody tell me I missed the blank. Okay, so Psalm 46, let's read it so we can study it. All right, together. Oh, and let me pray real quick. Father God, we just desire for you to be exalted in this place. We need you more than we have any idea. So it is your name that we lift high right now. We lift it high and we say you are the king of the universe. Please speak to us. You are our father in heaven and we trust you. Give us reckless abandon to run after you. Give us freed hearts and minds not distracted, not thinking about other things. Holy Spirit, give us tunnel vision for your word. Your word goes forth and produces fruit, and I need it to in my heart. So we come to you and ask you to build your kingdom and produce your planned fruit through Psalm 46. You can do all things, so we trust in you. And we come humbly under your hand and ask for you to Please, Lord, don't let us walk away without being molded by your word, refreshed by your voice. I need you, God. In your name, amen. Psalm 46 says, God is our strength. Sorry, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And notice the Selah, because we're going to talk about that in a minute. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. Oh, that just makes you exhale. God will help her. God will help her when morning dawns. Does that speak to mothers? <laughs> I know it speaks to everyone, but I just, I just pictured we've been talking about babies can sleep in through the night and things. All right. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. Oh, because his voice is big. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah again. Notice that. Come, come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth because he's in charge. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still, oh, cannot say this in his voice. Please picture it in his voice because it's got quotes around it. It's his voice right now. Not that the whole word isn't, but this is him speaking. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. All right, so when we study the Bible, when we go to a passage like this, what we do is we think to ourselves, what did God mean then and there? Because that's what he means here and now. Um, I've got a great book. I can't reach it very well. I'll show it to you later. How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Stuart and Fee. And it uh, just gives you a great uh, frame of mind of how to accurately study the word. And it makes sense. Whatever God meant to the Israelites in Psalm 46, 
then and there is what he still means here and now, right? So we have to understand, we have to understand his meaning then and there and apply it to the here and now. We don't change it. We don't change the meaning. We apply it to our modern day situation. Praise the Lord, we need it in our modern day situation. So because of that, I want us to look at the first question on your notes. What God, okay, so let me, let me back up. So because of that, what we're going to ask of Psalm 46 is what did God originally intend this psalm to mean and be and do in the lives of the Israelite people? But first, got to look at this number one question on your, on your outline. We need to understand the nature of the psalms so that we will accurately understand Psalm 46. So let's just go over a few things about the nature of psalms and say, what did God originally intend the psalms to mean, be, and do in the lives of the Israelite people? So letter A, psalms were meant to help them express themselves to God. Who needs words sometimes, right? My husband is so patient. Sometimes I just sit in front of him and say, I'm upset. (laughs) And he probably is thinking, man, Monica, you had a lot of words an hour ago because I am a wordy person. But sometimes I just got it all in here. I don't know what it is. It's all in here, and I want to express it, but I can't get it out. Praise the Lord. God knew that about us, and he gave us the Psalms. It's like when we don't know what to pray, so we pray that our Father, right? It is so helpful when he gives us a voice, you know, and helps us express. So that's, that's one of the things that God intended the Psalms to do. B, Psalms were meant to help them consider or remember his ways. Who here forgets? <laughs> yes, all of us. We have different things to blame it on. Work is crazy right now. I have mom brain, whatever. We, ha- we all have a reason, but I think it's humanity, <laughs> right? And um, there's a great, a great character in Narnia. Um, I think it's the badger, and they say, and the badger is like the only one that remembers right then who Aslan, the God figure, is, or the Jesus figure is. And he says, badgers never forget. And that's the funniest thing for me to pray, but all the time, I'm like, God, please make me like, make me like the badger. <laughs> I want to be somebody that doesn't forget you, because that's what I do. I will, I will preach this. I will teach it to our hearts. And an hour from now, tomorrow on the flight, we'll feel a bump, and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die, you know? That kind of stuff. It just takes a little bump. I'm a very fragile being. It just takes a little knock in life, Right? And I'm like, ah, where's God, you know? (laughs) So we must have the Psalms, and thankfully he gave them to us, to remember, right? To consider. Psalms are something to meditate on. We can think that meditation is an Eastern thing. Meditation, the word meditate just means to chew on. So, So my husband did a lot of martial arts, and he said something with that field to be careful of is they tell you to empty your brain. God tells you to fill your brain with the psalms and chew on them. Do you see the difference? So when we meditate on the psalms, it's us filling, us filling our minds up with his word and chewing on it, right? Okay, so C, psalms were meant to move them in, I'm saying them by the Israelites, move them to action based on truth. When we hear truth, we should respond by action, right? Right? When the women saw Jesus, 
risen and saw that truth, and Jesus said, it's, you know, it's me. They ran and told people. They were moved to action. We should be moved to action by truth. All right, so the Psalms were meant to connect people um, to God. They were meant to connect the worshiper and God. Stuart and Fee in their book say, people began to sing them in all sorts of situations where the wordings expressed their own attitudes and circumstances. I love that. Do you know what, what they're saying, what, what Stuart and Fee in that book is saying? They're saying that they sang these psalms in worship, and then they found themselves in certain circumstances, and the song just came out or came to mind, and they started humming it, right? Um, there are situations where, well, I'll tell you one. Last night, um, because, because of my frailness and my, my, um, my continuing needing to get rid of the flesh, I can, I can swing between, and this is so the sin nature, I can swing between pride and fear. How does that work? How does that work, right, ladies? How? How? How on earth? It's not logical. That's, that's what sin is, not logical, right? So it was very important to me to, um, to last night, after I got to share God's word on adoption, to, to make sure I remembered it was God that taught his word right? It was God that made his word go forth, right? I know who Monica is apart from Jesus. As my husband would say, a low-down, dirty, rotten sinner. That's who I was before Jesus. So if I'm anything different now, it's not because of Monica, it's because of Jesus. And so because of that, last night, I was, I was just really just, just exalting him and praising him. And what did I start doing? I'm not, I'm not a singer, so let's just bear with me. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. The, the, the hymns of church came out of me. That's what happens, and that's what happened to them, right? They were in worship, singing truths to God. And then later, as they were Humming while they, as they were doing work, as they were, you know, teaching their kids, as they were doing, you know, dealing with a difficult family member, whatever the situation, the hymn just came out. They began to sing it, and it caused them to chew on all that God is. And that is what the Psalms are meant to be for them and for us, is to help just kind of spring out the songs that Heather, Heather and Trevor used to lead worship at our church. I love it. The songs that they pick. They will come out of you. You'll find yourself in a situation and it'll just come forth. So that's what God was doing with the Psalms then and here and now, right? All right, so we see that Paul talks about it in Ephesians 5, 18 through 19 and Colossians 3, 16. He says, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Colossians, Paul says, and, and let's understand that he is, he is instructing the New Testament believers. So these are instructions to, to address one another in Psalms. So Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, or dwell, dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. 
So he's instructing the new believers, this is supposed to be a part of the way of life. As you go through the humdrum, you sing to me. Do you see what I'm saying? The monotony, the, the take breath in, take breath out. You know, just all the humdrum of life. You should be singing psalms and these other things that are listed to the Lord. We'll never forget who he is if we, if we sing psalms and consider his ways constantly. So let me get to that place. Let us get to that place, Lord Jesus. All right, so they were intended to stimulate a response. We should respond to truth with action, the action of worship and obedience in your notes. We should respond to truth with action. That action can sometimes be running to tell everyone Jesus is risen, right? But that action can also be this. You know, trying to move slowly because of the wires. Like this. When we hear that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, falling flat on the ground is an action, a proper response, right? An action to that. Okay, so the next in your notes. The Psalms call us to belief. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If there is anything I need, I need belief. I need it. I am the man who said, I believe. Help my unbelief, right? All of us need belief, and the Psalms call us to that. Let me explain why. This is so cool. Hebrew poetry was made to address the heart, address the mind through the heart. If you are a feeler in here, the Psalms are for you. They are, and I'm a feeler. I am. I feel it all. I would love to be a little more this, but no, I'm this. I totally am. And David, David was expressive. I feel like I can relate to his this, you know? So because the Hebrew poetry is addressing my mind through the heart, because of that, it connects the great chasm between heart and mind. And what I mean by that is how often have you thought to yourself, I know God is the true God, but I feel like he's nowhere or he doesn't exist. Do you see what I'm saying? This can have this huge gap in between it, this huge chasm. I'm so frustrated by that. I want to be a logical thinker. I want desperately, my husband is, and I watch him in situations. We just got done um, with our daughter, um, our, our fourth and second daughter um, with the finalization of her adoption and it was postponed for a couple of reasons and that was not comfortable because we've had several failed adoptions it was not comfortable at all at all and my husband tries to walk me through it logically and he really thought it was going to help and it helped us understand each other greatly he says well Monica let's think about what is the negative that we think could happen okay that negative is before us what is the percentage chance of it happening he said this to me. Okay, thank you. There's other feelers in the room, which may just be all women. But, you know, I think all women may be in the feeler category. He said, what is the percentage chance of that happening? And I said, good grief, like 0.001%. The things we're afraid of, it's always 0.0001%. And he said, well then, I don't think you should be worried. <laughs> I was like, I was like, yes, I was like, I don't care what percentage chance there is, there's a chance. And this is my daughter, you know? And I was, I was just like, if there's a chance out there, 
this is an emotional thing for me and I'm just going to have to just set myself in God's hands and like cling to the Lord until we get to the finalization. So that chasm of belief is so huge between the mind and the heart. And what I love about the Psalms is it unites the great chasm and produces belief. As we chew on who God is, it produces faith because faith comes from hearing the word, right? All right, so it's this belief that causes us to respond with truth and action. When we believe, we're going to act on it, and that's often the problem. <laughs> I, my belief is, is inaccurate, and I act wrongly, but when my belief is accurate, I, I act out the things of God. All right, so we see that in Romans 10.9. We see two things in these Romans verses. Romans 10.9, we see how confessing with your mouth, that action of going and telling people, is hand-in-hand with belief. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can see how those things, those components go together and how they cause you to be a person that does Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation, right? That's what's produced from the Psalms. When we chew on who God is and he unites that chasm, belief is produced, and action goes forth, and I become a person that says, I'm not ashamed. I'll risk my life. I've talked to several of you that have stories that inspired me that I should be on the border of a country getting into it to, to tend to the orphan in there. I should, be, I should be moved to action based on who God is. I should not be ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. Praise the Lord. So, second question. Now that we understand what the Psalms were made for, let's talk about what did God originally intend this Psalm to mean and be and do in the lives of the Israelite people. So, Psalm 46 calls us first to consider God. As we look at the psalm, remember that psalms are poetry and musical songs. They're they're poems put to music and therefore songs, right? So when we look at it, we need to look at it as poetry, right? It's different than a parable that's a narrative or things like that, right? So when we look at it, we see that there's three stanzas. The first stanza calls us to consider God, consider who he is, consider his ways. Psalms are often used to speak to ourselves and others about who God is. So, verse 1, when we look at it, it says that God is our refuge, our strength, our very present help in trouble. We must speak this to ourselves and sing it to ourselves and each other so that we can remember who God is. In each one of these stanzas, we're going to see God say, And the psalmist here say, consider this. In this first one, we see him say, consider God. And then we're going to see a therefore. There's usually a pattern because it's poetry. And that's the pattern we're going to see in each psalm. So we saw the consider this. Consider God. He's your refuge, your strength, your very present help in trouble. Whatever present present trouble you're in right now, He is your help for it, right? Okay, so therefore, we will not fear. So uh, so B, 
in your notes, and it's verse 2 and 3. Therefore, because God is our refuge, strength, and very present help in times of trouble, because of that, we will not fear, right? That's what not fearing hinges on, right? It hinges on the fact, the fact that he is our refuge, our strength, our very present help in times of trouble. We, let's look at, at the rest of that stanza and kind of mull it over and chew it. And let me say this to you to help you chew it. We won't, it's basically saying we won't fear when the earth gives way. Let's just settle in because these are going to be extreme, extreme statements. And it's, it's just unbelievable that we in Christ have this level of unfear, of belief. All right, we won't fear when the earth gives way. Picture that. Picture the earth giving way, okay? We'll be the people that don't fear. I know what, I know what we should picture. Jesus in the boat. When he was in the boat and the storm was knocking it everywhere. And we know that was a significantly huge storm because many of the apostles were fishermen, right? Had they seen a storm before? Had they probably seen bad storms? Yes. They were terrified. So if they were terrified, that tells us it was a bad storm, right? And so Jesus was laying there sleeping. God's going to make us into Jesus so that we will show him to the world. And that's what we're going to see here in this psalm is that we're going to be a people that sleep when there's this terrifically horrible storm that terrifies even the people that live in boats on the water, right? We're going to be that steady. So we won't fear when the earth gives way. We won't fear when the mountains are moved into the heart of the sea. We won't fear when it's waters roaring foam. We won't fear even when the mountains start trembling at the ocean swelling. I, I just, I'm a picture person. I picture them trembling because they're even afraid of what's going on the earth. The mountains start trembling. We will not fear. And why? Why will we not fear? Because God is our refuge, our strength, our very present, present, present help. We're celebrating Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. He is present, right? Oh, so good. Nobody could have made up this God. Nobody. This is why this is the true God, is none of us could have made him up, right? <laughs> all right. So next in your notes, we will always be defined by who our God is. We see this. We will be, we are a people that don't fear. Why? Because of who God is. We will always be defined by who we are, be defined by who God is, right? So God is, therefore I am. God is our refuge and strength, therefore I am un unafraid. All right, so look at how there's a Selah there. Selah, it, we've, we've lost its, its meaning, but it's in the original text. So we know it was a part of these Psalms. So it's important that we give it attention and understand that what we think it is is an instrumental part of the song where the congregation pauses from singing. And I think that naturally that would be a pause to meditate on what was just sung, right? Silence can be a very, I agree with you, Lord. I bend the knee. I submit to all that you are. Yes and amen, right? So picture them right now in this song, you are my refuge, my strength, my very present help in trouble. All right, and then they move on to the next stanza. Number two, 
the next stanza, set, stanza shows us, it calls us to consider Zion. Consider who Zion is, who she is as a city and a people. A in your notes. Zion is <clears throat> the city of God. In verse 4, we see it called the city of God. And the reason why we know it's Zion is if you go just two chapters down, two psalms down to, 40, um, to 48, you'll see that it will call the city of God Zion. So that explains to us that's the city of God that, that the psalmist is talking about right here. These two psalms are part of a group of psalms. Uh, Psalm 48, 76, 87, and 122 if you want to study them further. Further. They're a group of songs that just celebrate Zion, the city of God. In those psalms, we can understand Zion further. We can see that Zion refers to Jerusalem in that day and time when they were writing and the fulfillment of the new Jerusalem. Zion is a word that refers to the church both now and in the future. When God has made a new heaven and a new earth and all of his plan of redemption has been completed. So when we're talking about Zion right now, I want us to understand that Zion is us, it is the church, and it is also our hope, what he will complete, what he will fulfill, right? So let's keep looking at, at what it says about Zion in this, in this psalm. Verse, um, continue with verse 4. Uh, part A, Zion is being sourced by God himself. This is one of my favorite parts of this verse. Zion is being sourced by God himself. We see in this verse, Zion has a river whose streams are making it glad. <sighs> Zion has a river whose streams are making it glad. Well, what is our automatic question when we read this? What's the river? You know, when, when God does very poetical image, you, you immediately say, all right, tell me exactly what you mean. It's like when, some, when one of your favorite artists writes a new song, and you can tell they were going through something, and they're like, I want to understand exactly what you mean. Well, we can understand it very easily by looking at the scriptures around it, right? If we did a quick search, just simply, when I, when I looked at this, when I said, a river whose streams are making it glad. All right, it's Zion, so it's the people of God. What makes the people of God glad, okay? So that's naturally, if we find out what makes the people of God glad, we'll understand what the river is, okay? Because the river is making the people of God glad. So we do a quick search, and you can find this all throughout the Bible, but I picked Psalm 122 and 2, Corinthians, 2 Chronicles 30 on your paper here. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And then 2 Chronicles, and the people of Israel were, who were present at Jerusalem kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days and with great gladness and the Levites and the priests praised the Lord day by day, singing with all their might in the Lord. Does that not just express a people filled with the gladness of God? They are feasting on God and who he is and their hearts are merry and they can't stop singing and they're just plain glad, right? And then the first verse says, when I go to be with God, that's what makes me glad, right? So we can know what makes the people of God glad. God, God, God himself. So what is this river? It is God. God himself is sourcing Zion's gladness, the things of God, the streams of grace, the streams of mercy, the streams of justice, the streams of love are filling, are sourcing Zion and causing them to be glad. 
praise the Lord. That'll, that's something to chew on, right? That's something to meditate on. Okay, so, um, and if you want to look further, Jeremiah 2.13, Zechariah 13.1, John 7.38, and John 4.14 will tell you that God describes himself as living waters that fill us up. So that just supports that idea of the river being God. All right, so verse 4b, Zion is the holy habitation. Habitation means dwelling place, right? Zion is the holy habitation of God, the most high. We hear the names of God a lot, and it's kind of like when my kids have called my name so much that it means nothing to them. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And they'll just, they'll even just, they'll even just say, my daughter particularly, and I really appreciate it because she uh, has a really hard past and came home to us at six, and so she didn't have me for six years. So when she says, mommy, and I say yes, and she says, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, instead of being upset by God's grace and thinking, good grief, I was in the middle of something, you know, I have 20 things, I can't believe you're distracting me. Instead of that, I think, oh, you call my name whenever you want, you do it. But the weakness of that is that they start to really forget what your name is. It's just, they, they start to forget you even have needs or wants or dreams. I never thought my mom had dreams. And now I know that I'm still, like I told Heather, I'm still thinking, what do I want to be when I grow up? You know, daydreaming about it. So in the same way that we just start to take casually the people around us, we can take casually the names of God. So let's think about the most high. What are we saying with that? There's no one or nothing higher. No one, no one higher. He's the most high, right? The most high. And where is he dwelling? In the center of his people. How did we get this? How do we get this? By free gift of grace, right? Not by our own works. All right, so he is telling us that Zion now, and Zion in the completed future, he dwells among them. And Exodus 29, uh, 45 says this. God, it says, I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God. God is in the midst of her. This was God's design. We see it in Exodus because what happened in Exodus? God had hold of his people. He brought them out of the slavery and he taught them all about himself. He brought him out of slavery, and he paused at Mount Sinai, and he said, this is who I am. This is who I am. These are my ways. These are, are the ways you should be doing now. This is how to worship me. And by the way, I'm going to dwell in your midst. And he has them build a tabernacle, right? And I got this verse from the middle of the chapters about building the tabernacle. Why did he have him build the tabernacle? So he could dwell in their midst, right? That was his plan for his people from the beginning. Then we see in the New Testament, he's not just going to dwell in a building in the middle of us. He's going to dwell in me, in my heart. Praise the Lord. I get to be the temple. You, if you are in Christ, get to be the temple. He dwells in you. And so we see this in the verses about Zion, that his plan from the beginning was to dwell in the midst of his people. He is a God with us, Emmanuel, come to earth to dwell with his people. Praise the Lord. All right, see, he just keeps getting better. The more you, the more you learn about him, the more he gets better, better and better. He, already, he didn't look like he could get better, and he just keeps getting better. All right, so next in your notes, Zion shall not be moved. Zion shall not be moved. God is going to help her. 
in verse 5. And Denise and I were just talking about how much this verse is just a, it is. I will be exalted. Zion will not be moved. I will help her. I love it. God is not flaky. <laughs> when God speaks, it is. And what God has predetermined is what will always be. I tell my adopted daughter that when God puts families together, it's forever. Because she sees people around her with broken families. And I don't want her to ever have insecurity about that. And my security is not my ability to hold my marriage together, but it is in God's ability to hold the family together, right? And so I can give her that security based on who God is and say, when God says it, it is. When he does it, it is. So we can have that security right here. Zion shall not be moved. You are, if you are the people of God, you will not be moved. When I'm in the middle of being afraid, this is what I go to. God says I won't be moved. I'm so scared I'm going to die, but God says I won't be moved. I'm so scared this is going to happen, this is going to happen, but God says, but God says, and it's certain if he says it. God says he will not, I will not be moved. And he says he will help her, so he will. He's not a, he's a very present help. He's not a help in, you know, 24 hours when the deed is over, the situation's over. He's very present. He will help you. Whatever you need help with right in this moment, he will. Because his word is certain. B, third, this is the therefore of this stanza. It's a little harder to see, but I want to take you through it. So, so this, this stanza, the psalmist says, consider Zion. And then he says, therefore. Now that you've considered Zion, therefore, because of who Zion is, therefore, God utters his voice and the earth melts. We see that from verse 6. The nations rage, the kings totter, he utters his voice and the earth melts. Why does, he, why does he utter his voice? Because of who Zion is. It's his people. He lives in the middle of them. Because Zion is his people, therefore he utters his voice and the earth melts. They do not have to fear the kingdoms tottering, the nations raging against them. The Lord will utter his voice. Now look at that word utter. Is that a big voice? It takes nothing for God to make the earth melt. Nothing. May our hearts be stroked and consoled and our faith be bolstered with that truth. The nations are raging. They're giving it all they've got. And God just utters and it melts. Oh, isn't that awesome? That is our God. Why are we ever afraid, ladies? Why? <laughs> right? All right. So, the next in this, in this stanza is going to be a refrain. A refrain is a chorus. It's meant to stick in your head, to stay with you. And so when we look at this refrain that says, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress, when we look at that, we need to remember it, okay? It's telling us this is something to just keep mulling over. I want this part to stick in your head so that when you leave this psalm, you're still singing to yourself, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, right? All right. So, another Selah. The congregation pauses and considers Zion and considers God. And they are quiet. And then they start up again with the next, the last stanza, right? Psalm, uh, the stanza, the third stanza. Come, behold. We have come, we have considered God, we have considered Zion. Now we have come. Behold, 
Verse 8 through 10 tells us, Come, behold the works of the Lord. Come, behold the works of the Lord. Behold means to see or observe. He, the psalmist is telling us, he's beckoning us, come further in and behold, see, observe the works of the Lord. We've already been seeing the works of the Lord, right? What's different about this stanza? He wants us near. God uses the psalmist to say, I am a God that wants my children right here, right here. My sister used to say, She's a very maternal person. She used to say, I just feel best when my chicks are all right here. We're sitting on the couch and everybody's at home. You with, peop- with, with children out of the house, out of the nest. Isn't Thanksgiving and Christmas great? Like, all your little chicks are at home, you know? <laughs> we serve a God who does not want a far-off people. He wants us to come in and see more and more and more of him, to enjoy him, to behold his work for our faith to be bolstered and action to happen and fruit to be born so that more children will come into the kingdom. So the psalmist is calling the, in your notes, the psalmist is calling the hearer to come further in and further up to see God. Verse 10, and this is something, as we look at verse 10, this is something, a concept I got from the book I mentioned earlier. Each psalm has a pattern of development so the psalm develops, that's how poetry is, it develops, by which its ideas are presented, then developed, and then brought to some kind of conclusion, okay? So as we study this, we need to understand that the psalms present things, then they develop it, then they bring it to a conclusion. And that's what we're going to see in verse 10. And within each stanza, I just was mentioning that God lays something out, the psalmist lays something out and says, therefore, right? So this stanza is going to lay out his works, and then say a therefore, right? But this therefore is really special because this therefore is the final conclusion of the whole thing, all right? So the final conclusion and the therefore of this stanza is, be still. I wish I had this strong, deep, manly voice right now. So you've got to picture the Lord's voice because it's all been the psalmist's voice until now. And now God says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nation. I will be exalted in the earth. Right? All right. This is the ultimate therefore. The psalmist has led us to consider God, consider Zion, and behold his works. And now the proper response, the proper therefore, is to be still and know that he is God. That is the response, is to be still and know that he is God. All right, so still means not moving. The word still, when we define it, means not moving or making a sound. Deep silence, calm. After we have considered who God is and we have considered who Zion is and if we've come and beheld his works, the response is to be still, to not move, to not make a sound, a deep, There is a contrast here, an opposite that we can conclude from these verses. So walk with me through this. If being still is combined with knowing God, okay? Being still is combined with knowing God. If that's true, then we can conclude the opposite. 
moving and making a lot of sound. Because being still, we defined as not moving or making sound, right? So moving and making a lot of sound can be combined with not knowing God. Does that make sense? Being still is combined with knowing God. So not being still, moving around and making a lot of noise is combined with not knowing God. What do you think when you think of someone moving around and making a lot of noise? Now, you could just think of a two-year-old with a Superman cape running around, right? Or, you know, whatever person you know that's overactive. But what I mean is the soul moving around, restless, fearful, panicked, making a lot of noise, right? When I told Char yesterday, when I lose something and it's important, my first fleshly reaction is, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? You know, that kind of thing. And what I've been trying to do is, I've lost something. I'm going to ask you for help. Do you see the not moving, the being still, the not making a lot of noise, the quiet heart? So isn't that cool? When I am loud and making a lot of noise, I can know for sure that I have a place in my heart that needs to be dealt with, a place of not knowing God, right? All right, so instead of moving and making noise, know that he is God. Now here's, here's the question that needs to penetrate our heart. We have heard this conclusion, right? Now we need to ask ourselves, have I come to that place of submission? Have I come, Monica, to a place of being still and knowing that he's God? When I look at my day-to-day, was I not moving and not making a lot of noise spiritually? Or was I moving and making a lot of noise spiritually? Was I panicked spiritually? Was I fretful? And that will tell me whether I have surrendered to God's voice at the conclusion of this psalm, right? He tells his people, be still and know that I am God. And that is a command to me. And I must come into submission to that. And he will create a quiet heart. And what will be the response to it? Well, going to the next thing on your notes, our response should be, yes, Lord, you are. You are. Yes, Lord, you are. When he says, be still and know that I'm God, I say, yes, Lord, you are God. And when that happens, we will see action produced from our heart and our life. So next in your notes, knowing God should always elicit a response, an action. It's called fulfilling the Great Commission, right? That's, that's why we're on this earth. I came to this epiphany, this huge revelation a couple of years ago. Oh, when Jesus left and the last words he said to the Christians surrounding him before he went up, he said, as you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and, and go on with the verse. So I came to that revelation and realized, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, that's what I'm supposed to be doing right now is as I go through life, it's not wrong to do laundry. It's not wrong to raise my kids. It's not wrong to shop for a dress because I needed a dress and I wanted something pretty. None of those things are wrong. But as I go, make disciples. So 
we see that that's what we're supposed to be doing because Jesus left instructions on how many of you would tell your kids to clean their room and not be upset when they came back and it was not cleaned, right? So Jesus, when he comes back, he expects to have, to have seen us making disciples. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And because of that, <clears throat> we also see in this verse that that's what Zion is to be doing. It's to be our joy, the great commission, and action in response to this to everything God just said he is, is supposed to just be flowing out of Zion. Zion hears God say, be still and know that I am God. And God says, I will be exalted in the nations. And the reason why he says that is because that's going to be our response to who he is. So we see the refrain one more time, and we're, we're reminded to remember this. And then the last thing we want to do is number three. How can we apply this to our lives also? We always want to apply the word or otherwise we're just brainiacs, right? We want to be changed and molded. And so we asked ourselves, how can we apply what he meant then and there to here and now? Well, we remember what the Psalms were made for. They are to express, they are to remember, they are to call to action. So because of that, on a daily basis, when we read the Psalm, we are to consider God. We are to consider Zion. We're to come behold him and remember his ways. Sing to him. Sing to our, to our friends and family the psalms. Say the psalms to each other. And the result will be we will be stilled. We will know that he is God. We will exalt and call the nations to exalt. God's going to do this thing, my sister. He's going to do this thing. He's going to come back, and we're going to be ready because he is a faithful groom, and he will make us a faithful bride. Hallelujah. As we meditate on Psalm 46 and the rest of his scriptures.